HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. In the Tuxpan region of Jalisco, like in many regions of Mexico, agave spirits are integrated into the fabric of daily life. They're part of the religion, literally, the spirits, and they're almost always called some form of mezcal locally, even though they are not certified. The spirits are served at every one of the community's many religious fiestas. So when the production of these spirits is at risk, literally, the cultural heritage of the entire community is at risk. And that's what's happening in one community in Tuxpan. Don Arturo is a fifth-generation mescalero, or palenquero, or tabanero, or really tachiquero, because that's what his family calls their little distillery, a tachica. It was built by Don Arturo's father, who learned the craft from his father, who learned the craft from his father. And add one more father, because Don Arturo is, as I say, fifth generation. So Don Arturo's Tachica is a hillside gem, a couple of clay-topped steel pot stills, in-ground fermenters, and an earthen oven overlooking a forested hillside. But that hillside is eroding. The rains from the extreme weather that has been plaguing the region in recent years is literally washing away Don Arturo's little distillery and threatening to take with it the community's cultural heritage. With the financial support we're receiving from 818 Tequila, Sacred is rebuilding Don Arturo's family tachica, or really what we're doing is we're fortifying it so as not to interrupt that heritage. We're rebuilding and reinforcing the hillside that has been eroded, creating a retaining wall that will secure the location. Above that, to serve as a buffer for the weakest part of the earth, we're building a modest tasting room where the locals can sit and enjoy the view of that forested hillside when they come to purchase Don Arturo's Vino de Mezcal. And we're building a structure around Don Arturo's earthen oven so that his tapatas are no more at the whim of the changing weather patterns than his rebuilt tachica will be. This effort to preserve Don Arturo's family business and the cultural heritage of this community in Southern Jalisco is only possible because of a grant sacred received from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the artisanal podcast that helps Gringax bartenders but earnest in agave, agave spirits, and rural 
rural Mexico. And by artisanal, do you mean that it's not pre-recorded, that we're not using robots? Uh, we, we type down these episodes and then robots say what we should be saying? Or why is it artisanal? Well, it's artisanal because um, there is no um, uh, uh, there there is no certifying body that says a podcast is or is not artisanal. So we can make up what artisanal means. Now, if well, in the other hand we were a brand of mezcal, that would not be the case, Java. In the case of mezcal, there right there's this what they call a gnome, um, which is a little thing you put in your garden to chase away evil spirits. There's a gnome that defines what mezcal is, and it has the different categories of mezcal, one of which is artisanal. And, so, the, and the gnome defines yeah. what that means. Okay, so even before we, we start talking about this and we get into the details. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I know we're already talking about this, but I have one question. Do, yeah. do In the English language, is artisanal uh, a common word? And how do you usually use it? Like, what do you describe usually as artisanal? Like when you're just talking to a third party. Okay, so a couple of things come to mind. You know, number one is for, for years growing up, I would hear these ads for beer on the radio and they would talk about the artesian water, which I think was a mispronunciation of artisanal. Um, no, that's number no one. I, think, I think, no, that's artesian. That's a whole different thing. What's artesian then? I, I think I think that's like a region or something. <laughs> There's a region of Wisconsin called Artesia. I don't think there is. I don't think there is. You know, to me, artisanal um, always meant that it was artistic. It was somehow related to the arts. That it was better than other stuff that wasn't artisanal. And nobody ever like in most cases. Nobody really defines artisanal in the world of everything except mezcal. It's kind of like... Wait, wait, wait. But even before that, and this is fascinating to me because you never thought that something artisanal was connected to like cheaper stuff. Oh, no, not at all. No, like always artisanal was seen in a po under a positive light of something to be more artistic, more refined, more expensive. Yeah, you're like you're trying to drag this into your artist and artisan, and we've no, already no, no. done I'm not, that. I'm not, that is, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm not you are. You there. I, well, I'm, I'm blocking just, you. You don't get to do that, Chava. No, I'm just curious in my about world, the artisanal meant, oh, it's better. This is, oh, these are artisanal baked beans? Then I'm going to buy the artisanal baked beans. That's oh, better yeah. than the regular baked beans. Costco. Big shout out to Costco. But, you know, in the case of baked beans, there's no, there's no certifying body that says these are artisanal baked beans. These aren't. But there is... There's more than one certifying body. In fact, there's a gnome in in Mexico that that defines what artisanal mezcal is and what it is not. And then there are all of these now there are all of these certifying bodies who say, "Yes, this mezcal does or does not conform to those rules," right? That is very correct, señor Lu. So right. Okay, so do you want to say which are these elements that that, that make well, it artisanal? Well, I, 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 I do, and we'll hit on them. But the thing that's fascinating to me is how few people understand what it means and what it doesn't mean. 
right? Like, mm. like it, it, it's very ambiguous in the world of baked beans because there is no set definition. But in the world of mezcal, there is. And according to the CRM, 86% of all mezcal in 2020 was classified as artisanal. 86%. Okay, and so that, that's that's insane. Yes, that that is. That's that, yeah, that's that, oh, oh my goodness. A, the vast majority is artisanal, and then two oh percent, only two percent was was ancestral, and so the remaining fourteen percent is just mezcal. And you like people okay. want to say industrial mezcal. That isn't a category. It's just mezcal, right? Mm -hmm. And so you think, oh well, it's artisanal, and even you know, so many of our friends who own brands are like, it's an artisanal mezcal, and I'll ask them <laughs> what that means, and it turns out they don't know. So, Java, this is going to be a little <laughs> quiz. You don't have your notes in front of you, do you? I have a huge notebook that looks like a Bible, but I don't have my notes. No. Okay, great. <laughs> so, question number one: If I have an artisanal mezcal, how was the agave cooked? The agave has to be cooked with an under uh, on with, with a tapada with under under the ground with uh, wood. You no? can cook. You. This is what I'm loving. See, and like we I'm getting all this. nervous. I'm getting all nervous now. This is what I. I love that. I love it. I love that you would have known the answer if you just kept the notes in front of you. No, in fact, your agave to to qualify as artisanal can be cooked in a masonry oven, above ground masonry oven. It can be steamed. This is how we get the brands who have not used any smoke in the process. Think about think about our friends in San Luis Potosi. So much of that is steamed, right? There are even producers wow. in Oaxaca making artisanal mezcal, steaming the agave. But it cannot, they cannot use an autoclave, though. They cannot use an autoclave. It has to be a okay. masonry oven. Okay. Oh, okay, you didn't so just save yourself. Nice try. Okay. <laughs> number, one, number two. Number two. How can you mill the cooked agave? Oh, that's an easy one. You can use a meal. You can uh, mill it by hand or a taona. Okay, what was that first one? Uh, you can use either an electric. Well, you can use a mill that has a motor and that has blades. Like a wood chipper. Like a wood chipper, correct. Okay, so now I've steamed my agave and I'm using a wood chipper. Okay, number, yes. right? Beautiful. All accurate so far. You got the ding. Uh, Roy, could you add a little ding? Chava, I want a buzz. Go back and do a buzz for where he got the one wrong and then a ding for the right one. So, question number one. If I have an artisanal mezcal, how was the agave cooked? The agave has to be cooked with an under, uh, on, with a tapada, with under, under the ground with uh, wood. You no? can cook... You <laughs> Number two, how can you mill the cooked agave? Oh, that's an easy one. You can use a meal. You can uh, mill it by hand or a taona. Okay, what was that first one? Uh, you can use either an electric. Well, you can use a meal that has a motor and that has blades. Like a wood chipper. Like a wood chipper, correct. Beautiful. Okay, okay. now, when you are fermenting that milled and cooked agave, Java... How do you, how can you do that? 
it has to have fibers in it, right? Okay, so you're saying it has to have fibers. Now tell me about the vessel. The vessel has to be open. It has to be an open vessel so there's wild fermentation happening. Okay, Roy, that is two buzzes because both of those are inaccurate. It what? does not have to be fermented open air. It, uh, it can't be a steel vessel, but it does not have to be open air. And um, it does not have to have wild yeast. And it does not have to include fiber. No, no fiber. No, no way. You can, uh, Dude, you, can, you can just have liquid in there? Hey, Roy, could you do me a favor and just buzz him one more time? Thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. No, <laughs> no fiber. It doesn't have to have fiber. No bagasso. In fact, in fact, if you think about our friends at La Luna, they separate the two for their fermentation. They marry well, them that is, later. Yeah, yeah, that is very correct. Uh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Now, now, oh, this is a, such a fun episode, and Roy's having so much fun with his buzzers <laughs> and his dings. I mean, more fun with buzzers, let's be honest. Okay, Chava. Now, the still. Tell me about the still. What are the okay. requirements of the still in order to qualify as an artisanal mezcal? I know they can use stainless steel, so it can be copper, stainless steel, or clay. There has to be a direct flame. They cannot use steam to to, to as uh, as the heat element for distillation. Okay, Correct? Roy, I'm gonna need. I'm. Are you done? Uh, and uh, I don't <laughs> think it says if it has to. They, they don't have to have a serpentine. It can be an internal collection alembic. Or it can have a serpentine. That's that. Okay. Okay. So uh, what we're going to need here, uh, Roy, is buzz, ding, buzz. So. What? I know, right? So you cannot have a steel pot, but your condenser can be steel. And wow. so you were wrong about the steel. Like, it's funny. Wow. If you like, I feel like, I feel like you thought, oh, I better relax this because it turns out it's much more lax than I thought. You can't use a steel pot. Now, uh, copper, clay pot, cool. Um, and uh, you're right. It does have to be direct fire, though. It doesn't have to be wood fire. Steam not mm -hmm. allowed. Correct. Okay. And wait, wait, it can be just one distillation or it has to be two distillations. Or three. You're asking me? I thought I was the one asking the questions. Well, like, I don't know. Like, you didn't ask that part. Does it say in the norm? Dude, I haven't gotten there yet. You okay, tell okay. me. Does it have to be one, two, three? How many distillations? Well, can, can, you, can you use a column still? Can you use a column still? Okay. I'm going to, like, let's put this on hold. I'm going to pull that up. And uh, I, I do not believe you can use a column still. But frankly, like, I'm so flummoxed by all of this. I'm not 100% sure anymore. <laughs> because, and then the Miahuatlan one distillation, does that? Right, yeah. Is, there, is, yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. Is, can that happen? Yeah. Like that my be... question actually is not about, does it have to be two, but rather, can you do three? And I'm pretty sure you can. So let's see, fermentation, distillation. Uh, there is no rule about... Um, the, oh, wait a minute. There's, so there's no rule about the... Um, Number of times that you distill. It could oh, be once, twice, six times, 20 times. Yeah, yeah. If you have the yeah. money and the time. And it doesn't say anything in here about a column still, though it's hard for me. I mean, I guess I don't, I guess a copper still can be a column still, can't it? Yeah, and it doesn't say that it has to be a discontinuous distillation in the sense that you have to yeah, take. 
So it's okay. So artisanal suddenly doesn't seem so artisanal now. Now Chava, let me ask you another question. Oh, What's the minimum ABV? The minimum amount of alcohol by volume that is allowed and still qualify as artisanal. Thirty six. I'm sorry. What'd you say? Uh, Thirty six or forty. Okay, so, sorry. I'm gonna need a buzz though. Like, it, make it a light buzz, Roy. Um, so thirty five. Thirty-five percent, thirty-five percent ABV for all categories. All categories. Okay. Okay. Now this is very surprising. Now, what? How? This is really critical. What percentage of agave do you have to uh, source your sugar from in order for it to qualify as artisanal? A hundred percent. Okay, but that's true for all categories. Now. Yes, I know. (laughs) Okay. Now, let me ask you another question. Sweeteners, coloring agents, fragrances, flavorings? Uh, It's not not stipulated. You can, or you cannot, uh, I don't know. I'm asking you, are you allowed to include those and still still call it artisanal? Uh, I think if you put it in the label, you can, as long as you state it in the label. Buzz him, Roy. (laughs) What? (laughs) So you can absolutely add sweeteners, coloring agents, fragrances, and flavorings. You can absolutely do it. There's a limit to that. how much you can include, but you do not have to include that on the label. What? So you can literally throw vanilla in there. Yep. Uh, now that that's being a whole conversation and you just don't have to disclose it. As long as you uh, do not go over the allowed quantities and you're only using the approved uh, sweeteners and coloring agents and fragrances, and, and and there's absolutely a vanilla that is allowed. Um, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to put it on the label. That is wild. That, okay, that is now really what about crazy. bottling? Uh, has to happen in Mexico in a place that it's uh, that has a license to 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 bottle mezcal. Yeah, I gave that one for you. Ding him. I just I knew you needed another ding, like a little, so you yeah. feel better about yeah, all of this. I feel great now. Yeah. Right? So, like, all of this is really fascinating to me. I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with brand owners. We, in fact, like, I got a um, I got a backgrounder piece from one of the brands we hang out with uh, that they were sending out to the press, and there were so many errors on it as to what artisanal mezcal was. And I think, I think part of the problem is, I think, part of the problem is uh, that, A, you've got these three categories the, that are, you know, Artisanal mezcal, ancestral mezcal, just plain old mezcal. And then you add to that these um, these other factors like destilado con, it was distilled with. Um, avocado mm. con, it was fl- like it added to. Añejo, uh, uh, reposado, there's like all these variations that get so confusing even for the brand owners. But then it's also so counterintuitive because old, like now that... You refresh my memory. Thanks, Lou, uh, for this. <laughs> That's class. what I'm here for. The masterclass. And it, <laughs> it, I mean, it is not so different to how they do a lot of tequilas. It's not so. What do you mean? Well, if, if you don't have to put fibers into the fermentation, you don't have to have an open fermentation and have to use wild yeast, you can have a column still and you can meal with oh. a machine. That is oh. how a bunch of the not as massive tequila kits that we've gone like we, we see, but a lot of the medium guys they're producing that way. 
Yeah, no, that's that's very, very fair. Like you could take an ancestral mezcal and it could be produced in the exact same way as 100% blue Weber agave oh, artisanal, artisanal, not ancestral. You said ancestral. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say ancestral? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. Artisanal. You're right. Yeah, like Cascawin. Cascawin then literally makes mezcal artisanal. <laughs> God, you know, actually, oh, this is going to get some more hate mail. <laughs> Am I nuts or would 818 qualify? They they had a steam jacket. Didn't, do they have a steam jacket or are they wood-fired? Uh, well, uh, they... uh, part, part of it is using an autoclave, but they don't, they could very easily, uh, <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. Uh, they could. Uh, I'll get I'll get the emails. Nobody would attack you for this. Don't yeah, you worry no, about come that. Come on. No, but I, I think they would bury, they will just have to change a tiny part of their process in order to qualify to be artisanal mezcal. If they were to take their, their 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 operation exactly how it exists and put it in an area that has the denomination of origin for mezcal, they could easily qualify as artisanal mezcal. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they got the Bagasso. And they will be open air fermentation Bagasso. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 doing a lot of stuff that is not even required for them. So, yeah, yep. yep. Interesting. Anyway, so you know, I I I feel like I feel like if if the goal is, and I, I think it is, but if the goal is to preserve, uh, if the goal of a denomination of origin is to preserve the cultural heritage, that maybe the gnome needs to be tightened up, or at least the category of of artisanal needs to be tightened up and further restricted. Well, I think the argument against that will be that's why ancestral exists. Yeah, okay, but the word artisanal suggests something, I think, to the average consumer that, that means... That is not quite... That, yeah, that does... But, 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 but compared to other alcohols in the world where it's literally a computer doing the whole thing, like think about oh. Glenfiddich, think about Macallan, it's literally a computer and a bunch of pumps and stuff, and there's like four guys running a whole operation. Oh, you know what? I love that because you're you're you are give him a ding, Roy. You are a hundred percent right. <laughs> but if if what if what we're trying to do, what we're like, I'm doing anything. <laughs> if if the point of this is um, to just be better than the rest of the world, yes. Right. No. Like the thing that, I, the, the, you know, and you and I have had this conversation so many yeah. times, but but I don't know that we've had it uh, recorded is the, the conversation around whether or not the Mesoamericans were distilling before the Europeans landed over here to me is just such the wrong conversation. And I it's get still, that from an anthropological anymore. standpoint, it's an interesting conversation, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's, to me, it's sort of, um, it's, it misses the point in a couple of ways. The first way is, uh, it suggests that somehow 
if the culture of Mesoamericans hadn't discovered distillation, that they were somehow stupid, that these people who figured out how to build floating cities, who figured out how to get actual sustenance from corn, a thing our bodies shouldn't be able to digest, that that if somehow these people were stupid because they didn't know how to make booze, I think that's just a so wrong minded. But B, to me, the far more interesting conversation is around why did every other culture stop doing it that way? But so many families in rural Mexico and in other places, but not in not to the prevalence that the families in rural Mexico continued these these traditions. And I think, you know, this gets back to the whole the whole mystique of rural Mexico that really speaks to my heart is I think there's some really important knowledge that's, that's, that's living there as a result of these families who care to protect it. And so if what this, Oh God, this is not where I expected to go, but if what what the gnome is supposed to do is protect rural Mexico and protect these heritages, I don't think saying, hey, we're better than rum is good enough. But I think you're thinking too highly of this of these things. Uh I, I think it's more I, of I a, think no, no. I think it's the opposite. I think everybody else isn't thinking highly enough of it. Yes, but uh This is touching the cows, man. This is the whole Comte touching the cows. I think once you make it really hard. I'm not saying there there is a category called mezcal, just as there's a category called tequila. There's a place for the industrially made stuff. And I think saying, okay, you know what? If you really want to call it artisanal, it's got to be, it's got to live up to the definition of what most people think artisanal Mm -hmm. means. Not what the rum makers do, but really what the common human being thinks of it. And, you know, more importantly, God, more importantly, what the families in rural Mexico think artisanal means. Uh, But it's also so hard. I've seen in the U.S. artisanal milkshakes because someone is doing it with their hands. (laughs) (laughs) That is why I started asking you the the relevance of the word. It's an artisanal pumpkin spice milkshake. Yeah, so it's a word that it's being used very lightly these days. And it's it's almost a joke on how lightly it's being used. So that's what I'm not... Yeah, but then, you know what? But it, it is, it, you know what? You're right. You're right. It is it's sort of a joke, but the truth is, it's not a joke to the consumers. Like the punchline is above the head of the average consumer, and as you know, as mm. again indicated by my conversations with brand owners, they don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, you don't. You don't get it. You got more buzzes than dings. Is that right, Roy? There you yeah, go. That's right. Right, right. So, so, um, you know, I, I think, I think that's pretty much all to say on the subject because you and I don't get a vote as to what artisanal mezcal is and is not. All we can do is read the document, and you know, and interpret the document. Um, my great fear is we let these general words mean something in our heads that mean something different in reality. And there's a cost to that. And my fear is that the cost is greater than any of us expects. 
<sighs> I mean, I yeah. Uh, that's why it should be called Heritage Mezcal. <laughs> Heritage Agave Spirits. Heritage there Agave Spirits. Because who defines that? You and I do. There you go, Senor Lou. Well, it was a pleasure. It was long. It was heavy. It was passionate. And I think this is over. <laughs> <laughs> Hasta pronto, chavo. See ya, Senor Lou. Bye. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Peribán. Sound Engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme Song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.